0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12-WEST in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we do praise you. We praise you for the glory that is in creation. We praise you for the victory of Calvary. We praise you for the hope of eternal life. Uh, We praise you for your word and the chance that we have now to gather as your children. And uh, we praise you for the spirit of God that teaches us. And we ask for his ministry uh, to be powerfully evident in our time together here this morning, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And we are headed for Psalm 115 today, the third in our series. they are looking at some of the Psalms. And today we will talk about that idea that only he is glorified. We, however, could be petrified or we could be... An I want to tell you this at the beginning. This is a word, uh, beatified. You think we spelled it wrong? We did not. Uh, But it is actually a word, beatified. I didn't know it either. In fact, the first time I wrote it, uh, my spell check changed it. Uh, And then I gave it to Stephanie to type up, and she changed it. He doesn't even know how to spell beauty. Uh, But the word is actually beatified. Uh, We'll get into that, exactly what that means. I was just kind of excited that I had a new word to share with you today. We have been, as I mentioned, uh looking at some of the different Psalms. If you're not aware, the Psalms is the longest book of the Bible, 150 of them. And they are often studied and classified in different groups or, or different like styles of songs. Like two weeks ago, we looked at a song of lament, Okay, which was a psalm of pouring out your heart to God. God, my soul cries out to you. I'm in anguish was that idea that the psalmist have, had. Last week, we looked more about a song of just an earnest desire to know him. God, it's like I'm in the desert and I need you, God. I, I, just, I, I, just, I just, I don't want to live without you. Remember, he said your loving kindness is better than life. I don't want to live without you. I need you, God. Um, we'll look in some other weeks at some songs that are called in... Uh, penitential songs if you hear that word in there of repentance uh psalm 51 is the most famous of those penitential psalms uh but there are others uh, there are psalms of repentance there are psalms that are called imprecatory songs uh which uh, those are the psalms if you've ever read in, in scripture and it's like david is saying god get them <laughs> God, they're bad. Uh, Would you take care of them? They're imprecatory songs like that. But many of the songs, I I should mention, too, there are a lot of psalms that have a messianic flavor to them. There are prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But the psalms uh, that we are going to focus on today are actually the one psalm that is a part of that are called the Hallelujah Psalms. Uh, In fact, one of the reasons why I went to this particular group of songs is uh, we are going to observe the Lord's Supper today, and it is very reasonable to believe, okay, you remember this verse? Uh, It says, uh, this is after the Lord's Supper. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. After the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn. It is very, very reasonable to believe that this psalm that we're going to look at today is one of the hymns that he sang. Because when you study history, this is the group of songs that they would sing at communion time. So it is logical to assume. Some of you think he sang Amazing Grace. I don't mean to pop your uh, balloon there, but uh, that wasn't written for another 1,800 years. He probably wasn't singing Amazing Grace. Amazing grace. Uh, how great thou art. We're going to sing later before we go out. But, uh, we're, um, but that probably wasn't it either. What they sang as they gathered together. You may be familiar with, too, in the New Testament. It talks about the idea that they sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we go through and we say, well, that's songs about him, songs to him, and songs uh, to each other to encourage each other. That probably has some truth to it. But, the, but what definitely has some truth to it is, is what they sang was the psalm a lot okay they sang these psalms themselves those psalms that we read we did today too I don't know if you realize the second psalm we sang the one that I uh, when the sun comes up satisfy me that's psalm 90 Uh, the first song that we sang the new one uh, had a lot of psalm 119 in it about the word of God um, and we, you know, so we. But this is. I, I kind of thought that was kind of cool, just to associate with. Hey, there was a time when Jesus was there, as his disciples. He was probably singing this psalm, uh, a, a, at least at one time in there. Psalm 115. So we're going to take that apart here, verse by verse, and uh, and uh, see what God has to say to us. See what God has to teach us uh, from this. Uh, there's another reason why I particularly chose Psalm 115 out of all the Hallelujah Psalms. I'll get to that in a couple minutes here but so let's begin now verse number one not to us O lord not to us but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love, we've seen that phrase a lot throughout the psalm, steadfast love, it's that covenant love uh, that uh, the Bible describes there, and your faithfulness. For the sake of those things, uh, to your name be glory. Now let's, let's focus first of all, if we can, just on this uh, verse for a couple minutes, and those first three words, in fact, not just the first three words, but then we jump over a couple words, and there they are again, not to us, not to us. Okay, he starts with that. And let us note, if we can, in here the repetition in this song. When the Bible repeats things, we, we want to take notice. We want to stand up and say, okay, God repeated this. Why? It must be for emphasis, okay, on the right syllable. But, uh, but he, is going to, uh, he is going to say, hey, this is something important, not to us, not to us, but to his glory. Now, I want to take a couple minutes and look at this because we all have, we have, is, is nothing new. Uh, man has always had this, a tendency to make everything all about us. Okay? It is about me. Uh, it's, in fact, it is all about me. And in our particular culture today, that tra- trajectory is so much more towards self-worship and self, being self-absorbed. Now, I'm going to blame, okay, I, I try not to, whenever I can, try not to sound like the old guy, you young people and your cellular telephone or telephones and your, and your World Wide Web stuff, okay, I'm trying not to sound like that. However, I do want to talk to you a little bit about social media, the internet and everything like that, because that traje- trajectory, I need to not even try to say that word again, uh, but that, that I say that our world is on today towards self is is magnified by that that. Okay. And I want to give what, uh, a, a personal illustration here, but I want to stress that this is a personal illustration, okay? I am not preaching against having a cell phone or using the World Wide Web uh, or using social media. In fact, I think those are wonderful avenues for proclaiming the gospel. They they can be wonderful avenues, but I want to share somewhat of a personal testimony here. A few years back, when uh, we uh, ch- you know changed some things around because of COVID, uh, when that started there, uh, we decided that uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is have more of an online presence. I had never had anything. I didn't, back when there was MySpace, I didn't have MySpace, that's what it was called, right? Yeah, Uh, way back. I didn't have MySpace, I didn't have Facebook, I didn't have anything like that. And I thought, okay, it's time to jump into the world here. So uh, so I got myself a Facebook account and uh, we were doing some things. First of all, and we still do this and and, uh, some of you are watching now on Facebook, we still have our sermons online like that. But uh we were also started doing some things in the middle of the week. In fact we started doing two or three a week. Uh Easter week I remember we did one every day of the week and then we continued that once a week, what we called midweek momentums. And probably for about a year, uh we were doing a little three to five minute uh devotional thought in the middle of the week. And uh, Again, great avenue, opportunity to get the truth out. We we're, were doing that. Here's, again, personal testimony here. I'd never been online before. I you know, hadn't really done this. But uh, all of a sudden, I was hearing from people from the past, uh, people I'd gone to college with, people that I used to teach, people from my childhood even, you know. And, hey, we watch this. And of course, people don't say nasty things to you normally online. They say nice things. So I got where I, you know, now, Now, I was pretty excited, too, about the count. You know, how many people watch this? you know, this, I, 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 you know, oh, hey, uh, great! Now it was very humbling when I realized that the average cat video got 12 times more than my best ones. But still, uh, but still, I got I would get excited and hey, a couple of them, you know, hit a thousand views, and I was like, oh man, I've hit the big time! Uh, you know, I'm gonna start like that. But I honestly, and this is this is a confession, this is me. I'm not suggesting everybody's like this, but I honestly got where I would, you know, uh, we'd have church on Sunday, I'd go. Sit sit down and see, hey, who watched and what they comment. Did they say any nice things about me? Uh, you know, maybe I didn't say those exact words, but uh, but but that was what was in my mind. You know, and then I do the Wednesday one, and how many people watch live and how many people are watching stuff like that? And look at the count going up and I check every day and I was finding out these things like that. And, in, and then I got reading in the Psalms, the Psalms of Praise, and this phrase really grabbed a hold of me, not to me, not to me, not to us, not to us. Now, again, I am not... Cond- condemning that at all. Uh, I think obviously that the uh internet can be a wonderful tool to share the gospel. I'm just saying personally, I'm kind of like uh I don't do real well at reducing things. I have to go cold turkey when to give up something and I did. I don't have the Facebook account anymore or anything like that. I'm not condemning that in any way, but what I'm saying for me, for me, I struggled with it being, you know, with things being too much about me and I don't want to be there. I don't want to live there, you know, where, where it's like, hey, I want somebody to, to notice what I'm doing and, and seeing what I'm doing. And, again, I, w- I want to stress this. There are some people that God has used tremendously in that way. However, there are also a lot of people that get online and they get very impressed with their own opinion. And a, a number of people have asked. Yeah, I'll tell you what that number is, one or zero. Uh, but a number of people have asked me to share my opinion about this. honestly. Uh, my, my, my caution there, on, 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 if you use whatever the social media avenue is, if you use that to connect with friends and share, I'm not condemning that at all, but what I, I, I want to give you a caution there. Because this I know, and, and folks, I'm not smart enough to remember from my high school math what an algorithm is, but I do know that the things on social media are controlled by algorithms that target our narcissism. Okay, our focus on ourselves. They do that all the time. They're trying to find out, you know, they want to sell you things. They want to tell you you deserve this and this will make you happy and everything like that. And I'm just saying, be very cautious on this because we start with this phrase, not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And one of the things that is pushing us all the time in the direction of self-worship is our online presence, Okay. Am I, am I making sense? Please understand. I'm not, well, I, you know, I need, Hey, most of what I just told you, I learned on the internet Okay, <laughs> to be honest with you. I do a lot of what it, what is, what's that called where you fast intermittent fast? No inter. You know what I'm talking about? Intermittent fasting. I do a lot of that from social media where I'll say, okay, five days, I'm not looking at it at all. You know where I got that idea? social media. Okay. So I'm not condemning or saying, you know, it's all bad or anything like that. I am just saying, let us be cautious because if we're going to focus on him, he says not to us, not to us. And that is often going to say, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Second thing that we note in these early verses, and let's read uh, one and two now that uh, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. For the sake of your steadfast love, because of this covenant love and your faithfulness, we want the glory to go to you. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Did you see what he's asking there is? God, I want you to show show yourself powerful so that other people behold who you are. So we note the repetition. We also note his motivation in what he prayed there. Not to me. But, God, but to your name be the glory. And, God, why should other people not see your greatness? Uh, Lord, would you? This is a great way to pray, and I, and I hope we learn to pray this way more along. God, would you show yourself powerful so that uh, may, maybe there's somebody in here who needs to see uh, your name? You know, would, would you do that? Lord, not so we have a good time and we have a fun service and everything like that. Lord, would you show up in a mighty way so that others could see your greatness, so that others could see your power? God, would you uh, make your name great among us? You know that this is the focus of his prayer. There, we also notice there the object of his prayer. He says, "Your name, that your name be glorified." That's the object of the praise, His name. What a great thing to focus on as far as our praise is concerned, the name of God. And may I suggest you, in your own personal worship, that you learn the names of God. And you may know some now. You may know some of His Old Testament names. Uh, some of the some of the Hebrew, the El Shaddai or the Adonai or the uh, Jehovah Jireh, or you may know, uh, that is a great study. You learn about God through his names. To make it a little simpler for us now, let's think of some of his New Testament names, that he is the great shepherd, that he is the vine, that he is the way, that he is the living water, that he is the bread of life. And And we focus on some of those things, and we praise him for who he is, that to these names, that to the name of God go the glory. Okay, we got it? Not to us, not to us, but to your name. Let's read on a little bit as we begin in verse number three. Our God, (laughs) this is verse number three, folks. This is a, this, don't skip over this, okay? This is a biggie here. Our God is in the heavens. Do you like that next phrase? He does all that he pleases. Okay, that is not something we like to hear. You remember as a kid? <laughs> Why not, Mom? Because I said so. Uh, because I'm the mom and you're not. You know, we never like that answer. And, you know, though that works with young children, you know, the, the older they get, the less that works. And it's probably not even uh, all that wise. We want to give them more reasons because our thinking and our wisdom and our actions are not perfect, but to the one whose actions are perfect and whose justice is always perfect and who does all things well, he can say, I will do what I please. That's right. And, you know, and this is not the most popular message that will go out uh, from any pulpit this morning, but I think it is a crucial message that we, re- that we remember. God is God. I am not God. He will do as he pleases. And I need to yield to that. Bottom line, you know, sometimes I just don't like it. I don't like the things that he is that he is doing. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. anybody remember the old song about raindrops keep falling on my head? I did me some talking to the sun, and I said I didn't like the way he got things done. Uh, sleeping on the job, I've done that a number of times lately. But uh, but I uh, sometimes we do some talking to God, and we don't like the way He's getting things done. That's not even really the sermon for today, but I can't pass up that verse. That is so powerful that that's something that we need to hold on to. Remember that idea. Basically, he's God and I am not. Now, then he goes on and he talks, he contrasts the true God with the false God. He said, Their idols are silver and gold, the works of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, they don't hear. Noses, they don't smell. They have hands. They do not feel feet. They do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. They can't utter anything. Those, listen to this phrase. I believe it's first number eight. Those who make them become like them. So do all trust in them. Those who make these gods, these false gods, become like them, so do all who trust in them. So these these gods that cannot smell, that cannot feel, that cannot uh, see, okay? Remember, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good, but uh, but we lose our ability to do this when we worship false gods. I was looking for this quote because I I remembered a reading this week. It said that when we worship, uh, are guilty of idolatry when we put something else in place of God. It shrinks the capacity of the soul. You know, we talked about the anatomy of the soul being described in the Psalms and the different um, uh, feelings and the different conversations we have with God and different expressions we have in our relationship with Him. Well, when we worship false gods, when anything that we place ahead of God and we make an idol in our lives, what we do is we dull our senses to Him. You know, we were talking last week about the the idea of a love life with God. If that is something that we find very difficult, very very tough to, to manage, perhaps it is because we've become too much like that which we want to worship, okay? And we become hardened. Uh, we become feelingless, uh, emotionless, like they have become. So d- most definitely, we can become petrified, okay? You get that? We're hardened. We become, we got ears, but they don't work. Okay, we're like a stone statue. We can become petrified in this way. I want to take a quick survey for a second. I want you to think about this with me. um, I'm going to ask about different age groups as to the time when you. Uh, became a Christian when you were born again, when you turned to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin, okay? So the place in your life where you be, uh, became a whatever terminology you use, the follower of Christ, uh, born again, trusted in Christ for forgiveness when you were saved uh, like that, okay? First of all, how many of you, uh, like me, before you were 20 is when you got to say? Okay, take a quick look before you're 20, okay? 20 to 40, okay, few. 40 to 60, got a couple in here, got a couple, Uh, we're we're 40 to 60, (laughs) okay, (laughs) got one more, Uh we just went up to three, (laughs) all right, Uh, okay, how about, uh, how about above 60, okay, that is very typical, in fact, I read a little survey this week that said that less than one percent of the believers in Jesus Christ came to faith in Christ beyond the age of 60, Okay, why might that be? Perhaps because the longer we worship other gods, the harder we get. Okay, and the longer we do that, the harder we get. Jeremiah said, Oh Lord, do not uh, your eyes look for truth? Have you not struck them down? Listen, they do not feel anguish. But you have consumed them, okay? They're going through a hard time. They don't even feel it. They're desensitized. They refuse to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They've refused to repent. And what happens is, remember that that picture the psalmist said? He said, these gods, they're like stone. That's what you become like when you worship them. And Jeremiah is saying the same thing here. The longer you harden your heart to God, the harder that gets. However, there is good news. As Ezekiel proclaimed, I will give you a new heart. A new spirit I will put within you. I will remove that heart of stone and from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll make it alive again. And this is the miracle that God can do. But what happens so often is we have actually become petrified. And when we do that, we worship down. Okay, what I'm worshiping when, when I am worshiping a false God, I'm worshiping a man-made God, I'm worshiping a God that is less than I am, let alone less than God is. I'm worshiping down. Whatever it is that I'm worshiping that is a creation of man, whether that be money, whether that be fame, whether that be uh, my own self, whether that be an, an, an idol, whatever it is like that, I am worshiping down. And understand, he makes it very cl- very cl- plain that we will become like the thing that we worship. Ultimately, the thing that we worship is going to determine how we live our lives. This is so important. You could say it like this. We are shaped by what we worshiped. And that is why I want to I, that is why I think it is so crucial, and I want to be encouraging you, especially as we go through the Psalms, especially we go, we go through this Psalm, the Hallelujah Psalm, is that you understand that worship needs to be a regular part of your life. I think corporate worship, and I also think private worship. We want to develop that, that ability just to spend some time focusing on God and worshiping and praising Him for who He is. So important because this. Our worship will shape our lives. And we want to worship him. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 4, we would, are to worship him in spirit and in truth. We want to accurately worship who he is. And we want to do it with uh, the, our, our whole heart, you know, in spirit like that. And we want to learn to do this. This is such a crucial thing. Okay, as we focus on these psalms, we're talking about that uh, soul united with God, a closeness to him, a relationship with him that is growing, worship Worship is going to be such a big part of that, and what we worship is going to shape how we live. So, one choice we have is we can choose to be petrified by worshiping other gods, but we can also be beatified and beatifying, and we'll see that as we continue the psalm here. Israel, oh Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield is a phrases, you'll see it there three times. He says it, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He says, those who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He's your help and your shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. That is that word, beatitude. You hear it in the uh you th- you think of the Beatitudes from uh, Matthew chapter five, the blesseds. That's what that word means. Beatify is to bless. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. I love the order of that because this is the most common order of Scripture when God is talking about everybody. He says small and great. He doesn't say the great and the small. He says the small and the great. I just I just I just like that. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth now uh, he is the one who has made heaven and earth the heavens are the lord's uh, heavens but the earth he has given to the children of man he has given us that to use we are to use it as wise stewards uh but it is a gift from god listen to this phrase the dead do not praise the lord nor do any who go down into silence but we will bless the lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the lord this, this bothered me when I first read it, and I wanted to dig into it, okay? The dead don't praise the Lord. I thought, well, wait a minute. That's not the picture I've seen of heaven. I think the dead do praise the Lord and, uh, and are rejoicing there like that. So I, I struggled with that a little bit and began to read it. Uh, and as I dug into that, I saw that there are several places when the old, in the Old Testament where the authors reveal a lack of comprehension of eternity, Okay, and I want to show you this verse from the book of Second uh, Timothy, let's go on. Just to review our passage there for a second, uh, he says there's a blessing for God's people, that's Israel, uh, uh, the leaders, that's the children of Aaron, the sons of Aaron, and then all those who fear is, is all those. And he tells us there that uh, he says, basically, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to praise you. As long as I'm alive, while I have breath, I'm going to praise you. But I wanted you to see this verse in Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.10. says, which now have been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, look at that again. He abolished death, and he brought life and immortality to light. In other words, he revealed them. In other words, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he has defeated death, we have a new view, we have a new revelation, if you will, of the afterlife, if you want to say it like that. Okay, that maybe the psalmist didn't have. He said, I got I got to praise you while I'm alive here, because once I'm dead, I'm not going to Babel anymore. And uh, Paul writes here to Timothy and he says, you know, here's what happened because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of that cornerstone miracle, because of the fact that he defeated death. And we understand that that brings this whole thing into perspective. It brings it into light. That now we can understand life and immortality, and I just got so excited about this verse because I thought, boy, this has to be a cornerstone of all my life and all my thinking when I understand that death has been defeated, when I understand that this life is not all there is. Apparently, the psalmist was struggling with that a little bit because he said, hey, when I'm done here, I don't get to praise him anymore, and I don't think that way at all. I think that when I'm done here, I get to praise him all the time and uh and we see that why because of that defining miracle of christianity which is the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead now we've got easter coming up early this year so we're going to get to talk about a lot that in coming coming weeks and we really want to focus on that because this the truth of the resurrection has to be more than just a head knowledge when the The phrase that the the scripture uses here, the psalmist uses there, he uses the phrase trust in the Lord, in the Lord. And I want to dig into that a little bit too, because trust is not just a matter of giving mental assent to something and saying, I believe it, but in the lord is that idea of really you know placing my whole faith my whole self giving this over to god and saying hey this is something i believe i'm going to rest in this and i don't know if there is any truth anything i want to trust god with more than the idea of that he has defeated death and again i will say that this life is not all i have I want to trust in that truth and hold to that. In fact, this life is just a meow, uh, compared to what we have as far as eternity goes. And we know that because Jesus was, is risen from the dead. Okay? So we praise him for that. Now, I want to go back. At the beginning, I said that I think that this was a psalm. Uh, that Jesus would have sang at the Lord's Supper. And you can see I have the elements up here behind me, and we have them back there in a minute, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. I want you to think just for a moment here. Some, some folks have called the Lord's I'm sorry. I, I said that wrong. They, they would have sang at the Lord's Supper, too, the first Lord's Supper, but I was thinking of the Passover. That's that's how we know that these songs were sung. They sung at the time of the Passover. There is at least one denomination that refers to the what was called communion, or the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, uh, there's at least one denomination that refers to that as the Passover of the New Covenant, the Lord's Supper, the Passover, the New Covenant. And I want you to think about some similarities here. When they did the Passover, they were remembering a time when uh, the blood of a lamb was taken and spread over the doorpost. The blood of the lamb was was spread over like that. The Bible says this, that, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. If you were to say, well, your religion is kind of bloody, I'd have to say, you're right. <laughs> it, it is dependent upon the blood. And they had this picture of the innocent lamb being sacrificed, and that blood provided a protection, okay? When we observe the Lord's Supper, what we do is we take this cup of juice, we take the cracker, and uh, we, remember that uh, God became flesh and dwelt among us, and that flesh was broken for us. That flesh uh, was ripped apart actually for us. And then we take the cup, and we remember that his blood was shed for us. And we remember that victory and redemption and deliverance is found in the power of the blood now that's a kind of phrase uh strange church speak phrase we use around here the power of the blood are you washed in the blood well what exactly does that mean it means that my faith and trust is in the fact that jesus laid down his life that he poured out his blood was poured out as a sacrifice for sin And then at the Passover time, they were looking and they were remembering the deliverance from Egypt. And we also take some time now to remember the deliverance from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and someday from the very presence of sin. And we look and we understand that that was settled. That was a a done deal in Jesus paying in full the price of sin on the cross of Calvary. So when we take this, what we're saying is, I believe, I'm going to take this cracker, and, I, and when I, t- I take this, I believe that Jesus Christ was God in a human form, that he came down, lived a perfect life, and that life was broken for me, just like Jesus took the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then when I take the cup, what I'm saying is this, I believe that the blood of Christ the life of Christ that poured out there on Calvary was for me that he was taking my my the price of my sin and i believe in that i believe there and and adding you know uh, a little bit t- to that just i mean i believe that my good works my religion my giving money my helping other people and everything like that is always going to come short Of satisfying the complete righteousness of God the righteousness of God can only be satisfied in the person of his perfect son Jesus Christ let me go back again remember I said the blood of the lamb Jesus is called the Lamb of God okay so music's gonna play while we uh, while we take communion and and the phrase there is thank you Jesus for the blood of Christ, but that's really what we want to do as we worship Him together now. Now we're going to do just like I said that we're going to sing, sing a hymn, and again, not the same hymn He, he sang. We're going to sing uh, "How great Thou art." At, we're going to sing "How great Thou art" at the end. But before we do that, we're going to take a little time, and you'll see in a minute here, folks, are going to get up, and there's a table back there and a table here where you can pick up the elements for communion and go back to your seat. And what we're taking some time to do is worship, worship Him. Remember that uh, that God gave his son for us. So as we do that together, Father, I pray. Yeah, Lord, I, I don't know. How do I pray this, Lord? I don't want anybody to take this lightly. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be so powerfully in our lives that we would understand the significance of what we're doing right now. Uh, would he, Would he just show us that uh, what we're doing is according to your command we're remembering we're remembering the sacrifice that was made that we can know you that we can have eternal life um yeah lord i feel like what let me add one more thing here lord I, i pray that just as we leave here today our focus would be more than ever on how wonderful you are. Would you take this time and draw the attention to you and to you alone, definitely not to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-663. 2648. Thank you for listening.